We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing excellent, Patrick. Thank you. Excellent. We are doing today a two-minute drill. Two-minute drill is when I go through my Instagram DMs and uh, pull out all the really good questions that listeners send us. If you do want to get a question into the queue, just find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I promise you I will get them into our list and into a future episode. Are you ready? Ready. All right. First question. My fiance struggles with lots of stress and anxiety, and she has a stressful profession. She has, uh, She's also extremely competitive and very much a perfectionist. She ran D1 track and now runs marathons at a competitive pace. I've been trying to encourage her to take more time to focus on her own mental health and happiness for as much as she has accomplished with her current mindset. I can't imagine how much she can do and how much happier she would be if she could shift that a bit. I'm curious what you would... Uh, how you might think about helping somebody like that. It's the same way I would go about helping anybody in any endeavor. What is it that we're hoping to accomplish? Mm -hmm. So if you take someone like this with that type A go-getter, I'm going to get it done, work, work, work mentality and set them loose, they're going to bring that mentality to every single aspect of their lives or to one area that they just get kind of pigeonholed into without enough awareness for what they're actually going for. Mm -hmm. So here is the really short answer. Have them, and I do this to my athletes, write down what is your definition of success. And when you do that, it brings to light, okay, this is what I'm chasing. Now, if she says, to, uh, my my... I will be successful if I can run a sub 240 marathon. Yep. I, I, I challenge that because, okay, if you achieve that, what's the next thing that you're going to do? That's not success. That mm -hmm. is a thing on the way to. What is that thing that you're going to? What does that sub two hour, sub 240 marathon do for you as a person? And we need to do is we need to figure out truly what is the singular carrot that we're all chasing. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, it brings a lot of clarity into the actions that we bring every day. Because what most people are doing is success. I shouldn't say what they're most people are doing is just trying to get all of these things. I'm an achiever and I need mm -hmm. to get this one and this one and this one. And it creates to this, the husband's point, a chaotic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And if you get a little bit more clarity on what that thing is, the methods become clearer. Mm -hmm. So example for me is I want to live a fulfilled life. That is my definition of success. Mm -hmm. How do I know I have a fulfilled life? When I am on my deathbed, I look back and I go, I'm so glad that's the way I spent my time. So that's what I'm chasing is not how I'm so happy with how I'm spending my time right now because how I spend my time right now might be very different than the perspective I would bring at the end of my life. Mm -hmm. Right now, it might be I want to 
run a sub two hour marathon or sub that'd be amazing <laughs> but a sub 240 marathon and then but when i get to i go what was that worth right now it might be i want to climb the corporate ladder i want the corporate office i want to be able to make seven eight figures but you get to the end of your life you go what was that about mm-hmm. so it's not what is it right now that but what is it with enough perspective of a of a end of your life is it that you were chasing mm-hmm. is it the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic like a lot of like the the sub 240 the whatever those are very extrinsic goals yep. like though i can point to it i can say yes or no i did it versus i think what you're saying which is like let's get even deeper like why that extrinsic goal like what inside of you will be satisfied by that absolutely but then we can actually go back to the intrinsic right because that sets up where she's chasing yep. so if you go okay what i really want is i want to and by the way i believe this is all of us in its humanity this is what, and we just don't talk about this mm-hmm. What we're actually, this is, we're going to blow up the two-minute drill right now. This can be a nine-minute drill. (laughs) What we are all chasing, we just don't vocalize it. We are all chasing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. But, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) She wants a, to run a really fast marathon. She wants to do really well at her corporate job. She wants to be this go-getter in this other field. The reason she wants that is because when she gets those things, she feels good inside. Yep. That's what we all want. We all just want to feel okay inside, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about this. We don't. As the Buddha said, life is suffering. In spiritual world, they call it Maya, which is this like, it's the, the, the curse of humanity is that we just don't feel okay inside. But that's what we're all, why we're all doing these things. And we tell ourselves, if, if I am just able to um, buy that house, if I lived there, I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. If I was able to just take that vacation to this place, if I was able to just marry this type of person, and we put all of these extrinsic goals out there saying like, if I was am just able to do this thing, if I'm just able to make it to the games, I will feel good inside. We have to pop the lid off that sucker because that is not true. Never have you your friends, family, or anyone you know, or anyone in the world gotten that thing and then been okay inside. Your mind is a seeker and solver. Once it solves, it goes back to seeking. That's what happens. Once you get that thing, there is a momentary, and it's there, you win the games and people throw their arms up in the air and they have this big smile. They might even cry because they're so happy. But then... Three months later, they're back living in Maya. They're back to life is suffering and they don't feel okay inside. So they go, if I could just win it again, then I would feel. But those moments are so fleeting that you're back to the perpetual life is suffering constant and we can't stand being there. So you're, you, we've tasked our minds with go search for the thing that's going to make us okay inside, but we're doing it externally. It's the job. It's the different relationship it's the where we live it's it's none of that because none of those things have ever made anyone in turn uh, eternally happy mm-hmm. it's just not the only way to get there is to get off of that 
treadmill. Mm-hmm. Get off of this um, illusion that that's how we do it. This is not, this is a mass, it's so simple. And what we have to do is literally just figure out how to be okay inside. Mm-hmm. It's not if I get these things, I'll be okay inside. It's not about working on the external things. It's the internal. How do we become okay inside? And the way to become okay inside is so simple. It's stop listening to the mind that says it's chasing the external things. Mm -hmm. That is what's causing the anxiety because you don't have that job. You don't have that relationship. Somebody did say something that you didn't like. Instead of working to create a world where 7.5 billion people act and perform and behave exactly the way you want to, otherwise you won't be okay inside, Mm -hmm. forget about trying to make everyone act okay inside and just start to be okay inside. Mm -hmm. This is a massive paradigm shift that we have to recognize because the world does not tell it this way. Mm -hmm. Nobody, because this is what the world has told us, you have to achieve these things. And if you achieve these things, you'll be okay. But even on the way to those achievements, so many things happen that we aren't okay with. Well, then we get all upset and now we're not okay. You have to let go of that struggle of the suffering of the mind by telling the mind, I'm just not going to listen to you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you do your thing, which is seek and solve, seek and solve. But I'm going to let that chatter settle and not get wrapped up into it. You getting wrapped up in the chatter is called stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. That's literally what stress and anxiety is. You getting caught up in the chatter of your mind, your mind trying to seek and solve, which caused the thinking feeling loop. Now you get stressed. You go, see, I'm... I told you this thing was bad. Now I'm stressed about it. And now you think about your stress and now you're feeling worse. Mm-hmm. That's how you get there. Mm-hmm. We need to relax, relax, and just start being okay with the world not being okay. Mm. The phrase quarter extremity keeps coming to my mind. <laughs> wow. Okay. Talk to me about that. Well, I mean, I think there's so many things that we, we, you know, quarter extremity in the I love gym this. is. Yes focus on move the big muscles first and then worry about the smaller muscles that are to the extreme, right? Don't worry less about the wrist than you do about the shoulder, right? Um, and that's how we that's how we want to move. That's how we're most powerful, right? And I think in a lot of ways, in the rest of our lives, we focus on the extremities, the 240 marathon, the car, the job, the relationship, okay. whatever. And then we think that that's by changing them or by optimizing that or by focusing on that, those little, those little muscles, the big muscles will be changed. But that's not how it works. The big muscles should change and should move. Big muscles first should move the, the smaller muscles after. And I think we, we have that backwards. Love that. Yeah. Super cool. That quarter extremity, inside, outside, extrinsic, um, intrinsic also speaks to the levels of mindset that we frame mm-hmm. the mind with, mm-hmm. where the victim, the lowest level of mindset, is only concerned with what's going on outside. Yep. See what happened? See, it's raining. Mm-hmm. I told you, it always rains when I try to go camping. Yep. Whereas the highest level of mindset, that warrior mindset, is the opposite. There's no concern for the outside. Whatever happens, happens. And it's all about my internal character development, mm-hmm. how I'm growing inside. 
what we try to do all the time is solve for things that are problems in the world. And mm-hmm. we should. We should try to make the world a better place. But we have to take care of our house before we take care of our neighbor, mm-hmm. right? We need to make the... Um, Jordan Peterson talks about this. Did I get the right name, right? Yep. Yeah. Talks about this in terms of like the 12 rules. It's about if you can't get your house in order, don't complain about what's going on in the world. And it's that same type of thing. Like if you can't get what's going on inside of you, like what right do you have to complain about mm-hmm. the other things that are going outside the world? Like get your house in order, get your inside fixed first. Yeah. I think that also part of that argument is the way to the way to help the neighborhood is to help yourself. You like, cannot fill from an empty cup. Yeah. But not only that, but but in fact, the only think, point of leverage we can have on changing the world is to change ourselves. Think globally, act yeah. locally. Yeah. All right. We have totally blown this. Okay. Okay. We're gonna do, now I'm, I'm going to get, get back, right back I'm into it. I'm going to do a one minute drill from here. <laughs> out, though. Um, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. I think this actually, I'm sorry. I'm just reading ahead. I think this is actually really related to it. I know you guys are both parents and yet still make physical and mental health a priority. Do you have any suggestions on how to juggle this priority of quote unquote self-care and still being a present parent, employee, and friend that people can depend on? I'm fe- I feel I am being selfish if I tend to myself and needs sometimes. Okay. So the first one, to- that the first part of this, it totally relates to what we just said. <laughs> you cannot fill for an empty cup. You working on self-care is the least selfish thing you can do. Okay. Full stop. Here's the tactical way to do this. One, don't take up your family or work's time for your self-care. Mm. You have to eliminate the other things that you were doing that were just wasting time. That's how this happens. So if you're going to be at work for eight hours, you're going to sleep for eight hours, you have eight other hours in the day. Well, if the afternoon when you get home from work is when you play with the kids, it's when you help prepare dinner, you have dinner, you help clean up, you put the kids to bed, you brush your teeth, you read stories, that's out. So you're going to own, you need to own the four hours beforehand. And you got to get up before the other people are up and you got to do this when no one else is there. And or... You involve your spouse in this process. Mm -hmm. If they're into it, this is where I've been lucky enough to get to with my wife, is we do meditation together. We do our breath practice together. We do yoga together every day. We sauna together every day. We go on family walks after day. So that's where we are, but it didn't start that way. This is Mm a 15-year journey to get to that point. And if I had been like, Heather, tomorrow morning, we're going to be doing, it Mm -hmm. never would have worked. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, again, work on yourself and then see at the appropriate times where, um, where the, the threads are that you can kind of grab onto and try to involve your family as well. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that, because why not and just totally blow this episode apart, uh, is, you know, something I think about a lot and I haven't read many, cause this is kind of a parenting question to a degree. I haven't read many like parenting books. Like I've intentionally not. But the ones I have looked at almost always to me come down to the kid's fine. Dad, mom, like you're the one who's got to change some behaviors here because what you're doing is not is causing X, Y, and Z, right? So in other words, most parenting books to me are not books about kids, but books about parents. I genuinely believe, and it it speaks to this and it speaks to this idea of self-care. The way to be a better parent is to be a better person. Mm. And if being a better person means you figure out to your point of the the being tactical, like figure out when you're going to get, take care of yourself, figure out when you're going to work out, do all the other things, read a book, like just, just like yeah. find some, that's not stealing from something else that is building something. Yeah. 
And I think we've got, I don't know why we don't, we don't equate. If you want to be a better parent, you've got to be a better person. I don't know why that's not more obvious. Yeah. But to me, it is, is very obvious. Okay. Next question. I've done CrossFit for more than a year and suffered a low back injury, which turned out to be a hernia. I spent a long time doing physio uh, and then went back to training four months in. I jammed my back again, doing deadlifts and had to stop to heal again. I'm now back at training again with really low intensity, afraid I'll injure myself again. When looking at all of this, I see that my main problem was letting ego get the best of me and keep push for and keep pushing for bigger weights, faster times and not listening to my body saying it was too much. How can I differentiate between taking things slow to get back at a healthy place versus not challenging myself and staying in a comfort zone and not really pushing myself? Here's the really short, simple answer. If you're doing CrossFit and going to a CrossFit gym, you're not taking it too easy. Mm. Yep. Done. Like, So check that box. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yes. You, the, the, the lazy thing, the conversation that people have about that, like not pushing yourself, like you're a CrossFitter. Yep. Built in. Need not apply. <laughs> like it is not you. That's not when people are shouting from the rooftops about that. They're not talking to you. Mm-hmm. They're talking to the people that spent the last forty-five days on the couch mm-hmm. and are eating cheese it crumbs off of their belly. That's the people. The people that are going to CrossFit four, five, six days a week. We don't need to worry about you guys not working hard enough. We need to worry about the opposite. Mm -hmm. You're showing up, doing the hard stuff. Don't do it too hard. Mm -hmm. Next question. It's nice for people to notice that I'm making progress with my weight, but it gets to the point where I feel like my worth has only been tied to my body. I rarely share photos of myself anymore because all I hear is, wow, you're shrinking or, uh, or are you eating enough or what are you doing? I know, I know they all mean well, and I've been guilty of doing the same thing to other women. I've been training and going to CrossFit five to six times a week, doing accessory work at home, getting lots of walking in. I guess these days it's just so rare for somebody to do that that people feel the need to constantly comment. How do you recommend I deal with comments about my body and eating from others? Those aren't comp- comments, they're compliments. Mm-hmm. You have to take a deeper dive and understand why is it that you don't like compliments. Mm-hmm. This is not some surface level thing of like, um, that we're going to answer in a two minute drill. Mm-hmm. You have a resistance to people giving you comments because if it wasn't this, it would be, um, I've done really well in my career. I've gotten a bigger house. I moved to a nicer neighborhood and people are saying, congratulations on your success. And mm-hmm. I don't feel good about that. What's going on? Like That's the question we need to answer is why do you not feel okay with your own success? Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer to that. I would need to know you a little bit more. What would you recommend as a healthy sweet snack and a salty snack for people who train competitively at a quarter levels or quarterfinals level and eat healthy in general? Oh, this is healthy sweet snack, healthy salty snack. Yeah. Okay. This is what two minute drill is designed for. Oh my God. Which we don't. Uh, The salty snack. I'll give two. Um, Homemade French fries. Hmm. Like air fryer, homemade? yep. You can do them in. A, you can bake them in. A, you can bake them in a pan as well, though. Um, and they work really well on a pan. But cut a tom- uh, tomato. Cut a potato, the same way. So it's, they look like French fries. Yeah. 
You can do them with like a um, oh, a thing to make them ridged. You can do it however you want to. It doesn't matter. You can make them big. You can make them small. It doesn't matter. Put them on a pan, not overlapping each other at all so they're all exposed. Um, put a little bit of olive oil and salt on them. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're ridiculous. Our kids go crazy for them. Mm-hmm. By the way, white potatoes are not worse for you than sweet potatoes. Yep. That's a, So yep. don't worry about that. Yep. And potatoes are the most satisfying food. This is all easy stuff from your podcast. Just thinking of <laughs> it's the most. It's literally the most satisfying food. Like you'll meaning you'll eat the less calories for how full you get of any food. So if you're like it's it if you're looking for a salty treat, this is it's hitting like so many. Yeah. Okay. Another one which is the opposite, which gets you salty, and but it doesn't fill you up at all, is popcorn. Mm-hmm. So popcorn not microwave not movie theater but like you get kernels Mm -hmm. put them in a popper and you can put some salt on them cool super healthy okay for the sweet one i'll give two um one is dried fruit Mm -hmm. dried fruit just like not fruit fruit doesn't do it i know people say that it's not but it's not going to satisfy the thing that you want yeah but dried fruit does and dried fruit's not the devil like you know if you're looking for a treat and your treat is dried mango yes so so (laughs) dried mango without added sugar sugar. because you don't that's insane to me You're taking like one of the sweetest things in the world and adding sugar to it. But like dried mangoes, our kids eat it all the time. Like dried mangoes, a great sweet snack. Another one, which is kind of my go-to, which I love is um, because it's not not sugary really at all, is take some um, chocolate protein powder and stir it into some like Greek yogurt. Okay. That it's like a pudding. Yep. It's delicious. You feel like you're having a dessert, mm-hmm. but you're getting, there's no sugar. There's zero sugars in that, mm-hmm. like zero and tons of protein. It's like, that's what we're trying to get, right? Is what can we not derail ourselves? But we're satisfying that thing. Yeah, love that. Cool. I've been working at a middle school as a teacher and admin for seven years now, and I'm, a, uh, I'm in a principal residency program, putting me in a position to potentially take lead of the school in the next few years. One cultural issue I've struggled to turn the tide on is gossip. Among my more veteran staff, gossip and chatter behind closed doors is pretty rampant. I've instituted norms on direct com- uh, conversations, modeled them myself, held professional development with a third-party organization on difficult conversations with my leadership team and staff. And all that's happened is that folks have stopped gossiping with me, but continue to do so. And the distrust distrust uh, seems pretty toxic. How would you address this? So first off, awesome that this is an awareness level and something that they're trying to, this is where like culture change starts is things like this. So this is a phenomenal question, phenomenal leader trying to do this. My the first thing I would say is congratulations on getting people to stop gossiping with you. That is step one. Agreed. But behavior change takes time. Mm-hmm. So you're in a development program. You're not even there yet. This could take weeks, months, years. This could take a decade to fully embed itself as the way we do things here. But the way to embed it quicker and deeper is through the touch points. You're mm-hmm. you're basically teaching and having them practice. So we listed maybe three things there. I um, it was um, had a outsourced thing. Yep. She had a third party come in. One. She's um, let me forget. modeled them herself. Yep. And there was There's something more, else. It doesn't uh, matter. Uh, norms on direct conversations. Modeled them cool. myself. Held professional development. Okay. It sounds like besides the you modeling them yourself, there was two other things. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation about direct conversations and somebody else come in. This is something that needs to be talked about 
literally at every available opportunity if it's something that matters to you and I think it should. Mm-hmm. This is re- If it's a toxic environment, this is really important. So what you're going to talk about a lot at all, at every company meeting, is start off and talk about what a strong culture is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. And what it isn't is one with gossip. And how do we define gossip? Gossip is when two people talk about another person in a anything other than a glowing positive way without them being present. And whenever that is something that whenever that happens, we are stripping down the walls of trust in this organization. Mm-hmm. We want a and then you just keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going. And it's going to take a long time because this is inherent in our culture otherwise. Mm-hmm. We always talk about people that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a big thing. And then you put up a poster that says Great minds talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. Average minds talk about events. Small minds talk about other people. Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And then you have another, and you just keep on going and you just drip, 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 drip. You keep modeling it and modeling it and modeling it. And then eventually people will start to feel weird because they have such high level of awareness of what they're doing in real time. Mm-hmm. Right now, because you've had two, three, four conversations, it's not real yet. Mm-hmm. You're still new, still new, and this is a new thing for them. It's going to take some a drip campaign. Next one. I am a 40-year-old woman who has been doing CrossFit for the past eight years. I'm not doing it competitively, mainly to stay in shape mentally and physically. Realistically, how often should I be doing max lifts, or should I just be mainly focusing on lifting heavy for that day, so to speak? Yes. Relatively. The the ladder. The ladder. You should you don't need to do max lifts ever. Now it doesn't mean don't do a single lift. Mm-hmm. You could do ones. Yep. You could do fives, but they're just no you should never to me, this is like that you should never fail a rep. Mm. Like that's just like you you should never especially for the slow lifts, yep. right? And especially for like deadlift, back squat, front squat, um, you know, uh a bench press, not as big of a deal, but I wouldn't want my mm-hmm. my older athletes. It just makes no sense to be in that spot. Mm-hmm. You can get every bit the stimulus for adaptation through heavies as you can through maxes. Yep. Maxes are a test. Yep. How often do you go out and run one mile as fast as you possibly can to the point where you could not go one second faster? And sometimes you fail, you don't finish. Yep. Like no one ever does that. <laughs> like, yeah, sounds miserable. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> yeah. So why are we doing that with our? It just makes no sense. Yeah, we don't need to be doing that. Is implicit in the idea of finding a max, the idea that you've, in order to truly have found it, you must have failed. Like in other words, like if I do a lift at whatever three hundred pounds and then I try three hundred five pounds, I fail three hundred five. Okay, I've actually found my max. Yeah, no, that's that's you found your failure. Okay. So what's your max is what's the heaviest you lift and you go like. I know I, if there was one more pound on that bar, I could not have lifted that. So you do not need to but fail. Failure to say, is not, got it. Exactly. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. Uh, two more questions. Do coaches have to be fit or just fit enough to demo movements? They don't need to be fit. They need to, This, this gonna, I'm going to answer this in a way that they, you don't have to be fit. You have to follow the program you're prescribing. Mm-hmm. If you follow the program you're prescribing, you're going to get fit. Yep. That's the, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Just like your members, if they follow your process, if they follow your prescription, they should see incredible results. That's why they're coming to you. Yep. 
And you should just be ahead of that journey, ahead of the journey that they're on. You don't even have to be ahead of it. You can be on it as long as you're on right. it. Yeah. You could start it literally yeah, with it them, as days. long as you have the knowledge <laughs> of it, right? Right. Because you could be behind. Yep. You could be like, you could be 75 years old, but if you're living and doing what you're saying and prescribing to others, that's where trust comes in. I literally, I mean, this is the biggest miss in the training world. Mm. Clients come in and they put people on a program, but then they go and do something else. And people go, well, no, we do that because we're at different level. Mm-hmm. Not in our space, not in the CrossFit world. We have a workout of the day. And we don't do that differently for our clients. We don't say, hey, Jane, you're going to do this different than Bill because you guys are on different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm on different things, so I'm going to do something different. So everyone in here is going to do something different. For our clients, we say, everyone together, here's the workout of the day. Then why are you doing something different? Mm-hmm. You're not, you're the same. Mm-hmm. We as trainers and coaches need, need to be doing the same workouts as our members in the same classes as our members mm-hmm. only exception is if you coach every class a day it's the only only exception then you have to train outside classes got it. love that last question i've been doing crossfit for many years and i'm an rx athlete with a decent level of uh, rx athlete with a decent level of strength and fitness i'm turning 32 soon and i've started to uh, started training twice a day since a couple of months ago because i wanted to bring my performance to the next level i track macros eat relatively clean sleep six hours a night don't party and have one max uh, and have maximum one or two beers on saturday my fitness level has gone up slightly but i find it hard to keep the strength even though i try to eat in a slight caloric surplus to help me sustain the training sessions i am starting to think that naturally it is very hard to become competitive am i wrong and i and i clarified with him I followed up. I said, when you say natural, do you mean it's not possible to do without performance hands of, of some, and he was affirmative. So what he's asking is he's starting to think that it's impossible or very difficult to naturally become very competitive without drugs, without drugs of some. Kind. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's more, it's, it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's difficult. Did, did you say he only sleeps six hours a night? Six to eight. He says, sleep, oh, six I sleep eight. six days. Yep. <clears throat> um, Yes, it's very, very difficult. That's why, that's why by definition, only 10% move on to quarterfinals. It's mm-hmm. literally, to be competitive, you have to be in the top 10%. That means that you're better than, it's like trying to go to an Ivy League school. You have to be better than 90% of the other students in your school. So, of course, that's challenging. Of course, that's hard. You have to be way above the average. That's a challenge. If it wasn't, it would be easy. Mm -hmm. The question should be, what should I do Mm -hmm. to get there? (laughs) Not, do I need to take drugs to get Mm -hmm. there? That's like saying, I want to get into Ivy League school. Do I need to take, you know, Ritalin? Do I need to, um, I don't even know what the, Adderall. Do I need to like take these drugs to be able to study? Because if I do those, I feel like it'd be a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Or I think implicit in this is, the kids who are getting into Stanford must be doing that because it's yeah. the only way possible. Man, what a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it another way is like other one else must be cheating. I, if I get, it's hard, dude. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Like it's hard. You just started training twice a day. Everyone else has been training twice a day for five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, some people have genetics where they make gains faster than other people. This is a real thing. Put two people on the same training program, eat the same thing, sleep the same amount, and they'll make different gains. So you might need to work harder than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yes. But instead of looking for the drugs, why not looking for like refining the training program? What are you doing for strength? You talked about being a strength surplus. 
What is it that you're doing for your strength? Is there a more optimal way to train? What are the stress levels outside of this? Because if you're living in a you know, a, a cortisol from stress from work, well, you're in a catabolic state. I don't care how much you're lifting and how much you're eating, you're not going to get to where you want to be. Are you working with a coach? Mm-hmm. Are you working in the right training environment? Are you getting the right types of calories? Are you fueling those things? What's your recovery process look like? Like there are so many things that we could be doing to make the gains but it, yes, it does start with what he ended with. Yes, it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all we got. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Again, if you want to get questions into the two-minute drill queue, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I'll add it to our list. Get into a future episode. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.